This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Church. I am super stoked you're here, and uh, we're ready for the Word of God today. Uh, We are in the middle of our series, The Power of God. I hope you're getting something out of it. If you missed the last two, part one and two, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can see it, obviously, on YouTube, on Facebook. You can watch them in there. That all of our all of our content is there. But if you just want to listen to it, uh, where our podcast is on um, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and so we're we're on all those platforms. And I think there's a few more out there that we're on, but those are the main ones. Um, but please go back and listen to it. It's going to encourage you. And it, it, and as we preach the in in, a, in series like this, they they build on one another. So so um, it's important. You know, you want to get kind of the full picture of of the subject matter we're we're unpacking in the Word of God. So awesome. So here we go. This is part. Three, okay? So I'm going to pray, and, and then we're going to jump right into the Word of God today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for your Holy Word, and I pray that everybody that hears it is changed. I pray that everybody that hears it is, is touched by your hand, God. I pray that everybody that hears it, it's planted on good soil so they can go out into their world and bear fruit that remains in Jesus' mighty name. We pray and everybody said amen. All right, so here we go. We're gonna talk about the power of God in us and through us. That's what we're gonna talk about today. It's kind of been that, uh, but very specifically, there's just some uh, three kind of main things we're gonna talk about when it comes to the power of God in you um, and the power of God uh, literally flowing through your life. The power of God in you, and the power of God uh, being released through you and your life. So check this out. Let's let's start here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. And it reads, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And if you go back and watch number one, part one, we talk about this particular word power in the scripture, the Greek language, it is dunamis, okay? But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. Your The scripture says your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should not be in uh, a, a man or woman's ability to communicate. Your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Of God. So here it is, the demonstration of the spirit and of power. I, I, I'm here to say, you know, 
in, in the body of Christ, we need, we must put our faith in God, put our faith in the power of God, not in men and or their ability to communicate it. Um, you know, I think it's great that, that people can communicate the word. I believe that we need to be able to communicate it, but it can't just be communication. I mean, I mean that, that this is just not who we are, right? As, as Christ followers, it's not about communication. It's not about persuasive words. We must, we must, and we need to have the power of God in and through us. That's what we're going to talk about today. It's about the demonstration of the spirit and power. So this word demonstration in the Greek, it means to demonstrate, um, demonstration of proof, okay? That our faith is proved through demonstration, not just our ability to articulate the, the reason of the hope that's in us. So yes, we need to be, we need to have biblical literacy. We must have the ability and knowledge to, to explain the reason of the hope that's in us, as the scripture says. But without demonstration, we are missing um, who we really are as people of God. That every last one of us Christ followers has encountered the power of God in one way or another. That this is just how God works. This is how the church ought to be, okay? So this is what it means. A proof, this is by definition now, demonstration of the spirit is a proof by the spirit and power of God. This is what it is. This is not my definition. This is the definition of the Greek word for demonstrate. And, and it talk, this is what it is. A proof by the spirit and power of God operating in me. So you got to understand because of the spirit of God in you, because of your faith in Christ, the power of God is operating in you, operating in me and stirring in the minds of my hearers, the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. So contextually here, this was something that the apostle Paul dealt with in the early church in the world he was in, in the culture he was in, in the Hellenistic culture, this kind of, um, you know, the Greek philosophy and the, um, and the Stoics of the day, that they prided themselves in their knowledge of the gods and their philosophy. And so here comes the church. Here comes the apostles. Here comes the people that put their faith in Christ and encountered the spirit of the living God in an upper room and they begin to, for lack of a better phrase, invade the earth with this new, quote unquote, new faith in their society. And um, so contextually as opposed to, to how the Greeks prove things, they that their rhetoric, this rhetorical arts and philosophic arguments. And Paul's like, that ain't us. That is not us, right? If you notice, even in uh, the Apostle Paul's deep, comprehensive religious knowledge, being um, a Jewish leader and um, a Pharisee and, um, and just his history in, in 
um, the Jewish religion, right? He was very intelligent and very knowledgeable. But if you notice in his letters, he was always bringing uh, the church back to the simplicity of Christ. And here he says again, look, this is not about persuasive words of human wisdom. What is our calling? The demonstration of the spirit and of power or dunamis power. All right. And so this was context. He's a poet. This was the, the, this was um, diametrically opposed. The church's approach was like, we are not about using human wisdom and intellect to persuade people in our faith. We are burdened and required um, to demonstrate the life and power of our God in and through our lives, okay? So, so this is how the Greek philosophers operate, and he's like, that ain't us, all right? That's not us. So the early church, here it is. The early church wasn't, I mean, you can just, um, you can gather this just by reading the book of Acts um, and even, uh, even the letters. And you can gather a little bit of this from the people that Jesus called to be his disciples, okay? And Peter being one of them for sure. But the early church was not made up of some hyper-intellectual religious group, right? That's, that sat around and prided themselves on, on theological discourse, okay? That's what the culture did they were in. It is not what they did. The word of God in history tells us the early church was actually considered uh, more to be uh, barbarians by society, okay? They, they were literally considered like cancer or societal refuse and even considered to be atheists because they had no idol, no visible idol that they worshiped. So the, the, the Greek world, the Roman empire, that, that the Hellenists, when they looked at these Christians, quote unquote, they, they could not figure them out. They're like, what is this? They literally called them atheists because they could not show their God by some sort of idol, which everybody else did. And back then, they, 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 the, the Roman Empire says, you can worship your God, but you got to worship the Roman em emperor too. You got to worship the emperor. You got to, you got to worship, you got to bring your God in the midst of all these other gods. And we, we, we just have this synchronized society that all the gods we worship together, right? And the, and, and the Christians were like, no, not us, not today. You know, they knew we are called to demonstrate the, the power of God and the life-giving, life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. So, my first point is we are called to demonstrate. We aren't just called to communicate. We don't just have some religious message. We are called to demonstrate, right? It's the gospel message, right? But check this out. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You know that I am not, you know, Romans chapter one, Paul told the Roman church, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For what? It is the what? The power of God to them that believe, to the Jew first and to the, then to the Gentile. So we 
preach the gospel, but we don't, we, and, and we, we have this clear and concise message of salvation by grace through faith. There is sound doctrine and teaching in the word of God. But we as Christ followers, right, we must believe God to move in power in people's lives when we preach this word. So here it is, um, Hebrews chapter six, verses one to three. I'm gonna read this. And this is talking about just some fundamental doctrines. And here we go. So once again, before I read that, remember uh, point number one, we're called to demonstrate. You're called to demonstrate. You're called to demonstrate. You're called to prove by the power of God, the, the, the faith you profess, the faith you professed is proved by the power you demonstrate. Hebrews 6, 1, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. These are basic. This is 101. This is, this is faith 101. This is Christi Christian living 101. This is walking with Christ 101. This is followers of Jesus 101. Um, you know, uh, let, let's, let, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, okay? Not laying again the foundation. He's like, look, let's go back here for a minute. Here's the foundations of our, here are some foundational doctrines, some foundational teachings of our faith. Here's the first one, repentance from dead works and a faith toward God, all right? Um, number two of the doctrine of baptisms, Next one, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. The laying on of hands, all right? Here's my next point. Power is foundational to faith, okay? The laying on of hands is faith 101, and I'm here to encourage you today. That, that's what we're talking about today. The power of God in you, the power of God through you, and one of the ways the power of God scripturally flows through you is through the laying on of hands. It's a foundational teaching, a foundational doctrine. This, uh, the laying on of hands isn't for a certain type of church. It's not relegated or restricted to a denomination or whatever. Um, it is in the scriptures and it is um, all over the scriptures. I mean, this, this, this is, uh, here in Hebrews, it says it's foundational, but um, it's in there. And I want to encourage you, this is one way that we operate in the power of God, is when we pray for people, we lay hands on them, okay? So let, I'm going to give you some scriptures here. We're gonna, I'm going to give you a lot, okay? Because I really want to just show the, that how fundamental this is, okay? How fundamental this is. This isn't for the super spiritual people. This isn't for the prophet and the apostle and the pastor and the evangelist and teacher alone. This is for disciples, for disciplined followers of Christ. This is for the church, okay? Um, Mark chapter 16, verses 17 to 19. This is what theologians call the great commission that Jesus basically said, this is it. This is what you're called to do. This is why I came. This is why the Holy Spirit is coming. Here it is, Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Somebody say, I'm a believer. In my name, they will cast out demons. Somebody say the power of God. We're called to cast out demons. We're called to take authority over demons. 
This was in session one. We're called to cast them out. We are not called to submit to them and just allow them to do whatever they want. We have authority over demons. We are the church of the living God. We are in the body. We have authority. Jesus is the head. We're in the body. The devil's under the body's feet. Come on, somebody. Cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will speak with new tongues. I'm not going to teach on that in depth today. It's part of the Great Commission. Verse 18, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They, here it is, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. One more time, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We as Christ followers have the authority that has been given to us, the exousia, the power to cast out devils and to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of, of God. 50 days or so later, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and they began uh, to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received power. They received power. They received the Holy Spirit. They went into their world and changed it. They cast out devils. They preached Christ. They, 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 they by the Spirit of God, they formed community. They, they established local churches. They laid hands and people got filled with the Holy Spirit, began to prophesy, began to speak in tongues. The church was birthed in power. It was not birthed at a seminar. It was not birthed at a conference. It wasn't birthed with super cool hip preachers. It was birthed in power. It was heaven invading people's hearts and they, and they turning outward to a dying world and, and God used them to change their world. This is what we're called to do. The power of God in us, the power of God through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Power is transferred, transferred in Christ. Power is transferred through the laying on of hands. 2 Timothy 1.6. 2 Timothy 1, 1, 6. Uh, Therefore, I remind you, she's talking to Timothy, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through what? The laying on of my hands. I have a friend that, um, he's a pastor now, but he was a, he was a, he was a rapper and came out of that whole world and then he has a little Christian rap group for a minute, but he had this one song that went, don't make me lay hands on you weighs heavy when it lands on you, right? So so he, I'm obviously not in the group. You know what I'm saying? They didn't put me on the team. But um, but that was, he was, it, it, we had one song that was talking about laying on of hands, okay? One talking about socking anybody in the face. It's talking about laying hands on them, the power of God. Don't make me, look at the person next to you and tell them, don't make me lay hands on you. Weighs heavy when it lands on you, right? So laying on hands. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Spiritual, impartate, spiritual impartation 
happens through the laying on of hands. All right, let's go to another one. Here, we're going to go quick. We talked about this last week a little bit. Acts chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon, Acts 8, verse 18. I'm going quickly. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the hand, apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. Through the laying on of hands, through God's people, the Holy Spirit was given. Through the laying on of my hands, the power of God in me is transferred to others. Does that mean that we just go around and just laying hands on random people running down the street? No. But is this a holy thing? Is this the word of God that we, with the power of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, shall quicken my mortal body? I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Hallelujah. And when I lay hands in faith in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit can fill others from God, but through this human clay vessel yes somebody say the power in me and the power through me says and when simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands the holy spirit was given he offered them money he didn't he didn't get it right but he saw something happen he saw it happen this dude saw it happen verse 19 said give me this power power is transferred through the laying on of hands spiritual power simon his perspective was off. We talked about that last week. But power was transferred through the laying on of hands. Power was transferred through the laying on of hands. Here it is again, guys. We're called to demonstrate. And power is foundational to our faith. Hallelujah. There's, there's way too many uh, scriptures um, about the laying on of hands that for, and time enough for me to share it, but I'm gonna share one more out of Acts chapter five. I only got up to Acts chapter five. Acts chapter five, verse 12. Actually, I did share one from eight, uh, chapter eight, so. But we're going a little, back a few chapters. Acts five, verse 12. And we're gonna read all the way to verse 16. Acts five, 12, through for, verse 16, it says, and through the hands, somebody say hands. Look at the person next to you and say, don't make me lay hands on you. Weighs heavy when it lands on you, right? And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, verse 13, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. I mean, some people were probably just freaked out, man, power of God's moving, I don't know what to do with that. I believe the power of God ought to move in such a way that, that, that people go, what is going on? That there is something happening that isn't just a bunch of religious communication that the power of God people getting delivered of devils people getting healed people getting saved people getting delivered of addiction people getting delivered of depression people getting delivered of anxiety people getting delivered of fear people getting healed of cancer people getting raised from the dead people getting touched by the power of God people getting filled with the Holy Spirit People receiving prophetic words. I mean, the power of God, not just persuasive words of men, but not in the persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. This is God's heart. This is who God is. He is the all-powerful God. And he desires to demonstrate that power through his bride, through his body in our city, okay? Verse 14 of Acts 5, and 
believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, right? So salvation, it wasn't just people confessing Christ. That is the most powerful miracle of all. But people were getting delivered of stuff. People were getting healed. I mean, it was, it was all that. Like, we want all of it. Like, I want all of the gospel. I want everything Jesus paid to give us. I want every benefit in Christ. I want to see everything happened that his blood was shed for us to receive. I want everything in this community, Hope Land Church, and in the people here, everything that every, for every drop of blood that was shed, every thorn in his skull, his beard was plucked out, his back was whipped 39 times, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. He did not even resemble a man. He was beaten so bad. He paid a price for us to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything, we want it all. We want it all. We don't want any drop of blood to be in vain. We don't want any thorn crushed into his skull to be in vain. Not one stripe on his back to be in vain. We want it all. He died for it all. Hallelujah. Verse 15. So that they brought the sick. Look at this. Somebody say power. They brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches and that and that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. Here it is. Bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. There are people that are sick. There are people that are tormented and we are called to demonstrate the power of God for people. And they were healed, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Lord, Lord, fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, use us to demonstrate your dunamis power in the hearts and lives of people around us. Hallelujah. Here we go. Here's the next one. Here's my next point. Uh, there's power in unity, right? In, in the book of Acts, it says they were with one accord in one place. Um, you know, the Bible says one will send a thousand to flight, but two will send 10,000. Um, you know, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, like that we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's power in unity, the power of God in us and through us is, is released and um, comes forth when there's unity. There is blessing and power in unity. Psalm chapter 133. We're gonna read the whole, the whole chapter. It's only a few verses. Psalm 133 verses one to three. It says this, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. All right, unity, U-N-I-T-Y, come on, unity. Verse two, it is like the precious oil upon the head, which represents the anointing. 
Jesus was anointed, Acts 10, 38, with the Holy Spirit and power. Unity brings the anointing and the power of God. When we gather as a community in worship, when we're unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ, power comes, anointing comes. Okay, so it's for, for the brethren to dwell together in unity. How, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil, hallelujah, uh, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Verse three, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Somebody say there's power in unity. Say it again. Say there's power in unity. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's go to another one. I just want to share a couple of scriptures here on unity. There's power in unity. I'm telling you what, where there's division, God does not respond. God does, I'm telling you, you know who responds in an environment of division and strife? It's the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The demonic powers thrive in environments of strife and division. But the spirit of God and, 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 and God is attracted. He commands a blessing in a community that has unity around what matters most. And it is Jesus Christ. It is him crucified. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to agree on everything. We should not agree on everything. But when it comes to unity around Christ, around the gospel and the word of God and what God has said and what God wants to do, I am telling you, God brings the anointing. The power of God is manifested in environments of unity. Let's look at this, Philippians chapter two, verses one to two. It says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy, being what? Like-minded, fulfill my joy. This is an apostle talking to a church in a, in a city called Philippi in a region. And he's saying, man, you guys fulfill my joy. How do you want us to fulfill your joy? Pastor Paul, apostle Paul, uh, be like-minded, having the same love. The same love, being a one accord in unity, one accord of one mind. Hallelujah. Let's unify church. Hope Land Church, let's be in unity to preach the gospel. Unity to do what God's called us to do. Unity to change this community. Unity to serve our community. Unity to preach the gospel. And let's see what God does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is power in unity. Here's the next one. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, two, hmm, can I pray on my own and God answer my prayers? Yes, but God is very specific here. There's something special about unity. God is attracted to it. God is drawn to it. God, heaven celebrates unity in the earth. Come on now. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Somebody say power in unity, power in unity. There's power in unity. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in 
the midst of them. I am there in the midst of them. There is power in unity, right? And we come together in prayer. We come together in unity. We come together and believe God to move among us. Amen. We believe God uh, that, that when we lay hands on the sick, people will recover. When we lay hands that the Holy Spirit could be imparted. We lay hands, people could be touched. Uh, the Apostle Paul, you know, he told uh, in one of his letters, he said, you know, I desire to come to you so I could what? This is what he said, impart a spiritual gift to you. There is this, there is this power in unity. This transfer in unity is so powerful. Here it is. Here is my last point, church. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. So when it comes to the power of God in us, the power of God through us, the Holy Spirit in us being released through us, right? This, we are not, we are not, our, our spirit, um, our insides are not to be a dam. It's a river. So God wants to flow through you, right? The Bible doesn't say, oh, the, the great dam of the spirit of God in us, right? Like that it's dammed up. It's just in there. The Bible says that out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. So what God has deposited in you, he did that. So what he deposited can be released. That what he, you know, the Bible says, right? That um, my, my cup overflows, right? My cup overflows. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Bible says that, that we, by the spirit of God, you know, we are always led in triumph. And through us, through us, he would diffuse the knowledge of himself in every place. That we would diffuse, we would release, we would become a fragrance of life to those that are perishing. That our life would be a letter read indeed by all men. See, what God put in you, he wants to get it through you. What God put in you, he wants to get through. What he put in, he wants it to flow through. God didn't put a dam in you, he put a river. Let that river flow. Come on now, look at the book of Acts, people. Look at that, just look at that, the, the picture of the early church. Just, okay, they're in an upper room, 120. They're in one accord, in one place, unity. And the Bible says, that there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty one and it filled the whole house and cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of them and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. So here is this encounter from God. Here is this moment. Here is this, um, this mountaintop experience, this spiritual um, encounter with the living God, the, the, the promise of the father. And what did they do? Did they close the doors and just stay in there and be like, don't get there. We need to stay here where the power is. They immediately and literally went out 
and began to preach the gospel, began to go out into the city and there were witnesses of the power of God operating. They was, and many were confused, but it was out there. They were like, what is going on? Look at God put a river in you. Let that river flow. Everything he's done in you, he wants to get it through you. Everything, every miracle he's done, every, all healing he has done, what he has restored in your emotions, your soul, your outlook, the depression you've been delivered up, the anxiety you've been delivered up, the fear you've been delivered up, the addiction you've been delivered up. God wants that redemption, that spirit of God in you to be a river out into this world and be a blessing to somebody. Come on, this is we, this is the great commission. Go. That's what it was, right? We read that. Go into all the world. Go. 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 Lay hands on the sick. Preach the gospel. Cast out devils. Come on now. Diffuse the knowledge of him. Be a diffuse. That, that, that would be released through you. Hallelujah. Praise God, somebody. All right. Power of God in you and through you. The power of God in you and through you. The power of God, not just in you, but through you. Not just in you, but through you. Not just in you, but through you. We're called to demonstrate. Somebody say amen. Power is foundational of faith. It's the foundation of our faith. It's one of the foundations. It's the foundation of faith. It's the foundation of the church. The church was not birthed in religious rhetoric. It was birthed in power. Come on, somebody. It was birthed in power. Come on now. There's power in unity. Here's my last point. There's power in prayer. This is it. There's power in prayer. James chapter five, verse 16. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I love this. This is the power of unity. Some people think unity is just agreeing with the same thing, but I'm telling you, you know how you, you know how, you know how we can create just really powerful unity at Hope Plan Church? It's, it's, it's those people you are in relationship with that you have real talk, real communication about what you're going through. That you got somebody in your life you can talk to. It says confess your trespasses to one another. C confess your slip-ups to one another. Confess your faults to one another. That's that's amazing unity. You know, in the early church, in the early church, they had a high value for, for confession that was done like this. It was, um, it was within the context of community, there was confession based on this verse. Confess your trespasses one to another. And what do we do when people confess and pray for one another? Don't confess to people that won't pray. Confess to people that will pray. Confess to prayer warriors. Confess your faults to people that are gonna talk to God about your stuff, not other people. Confess your trespasses. Confess your slips ups to one another and pray for one another. This is true community. This is kingdom community. Why? That you might be healed. Why? Because it's possible to confess your sins to God and be forgiven. But if we fail to confess to others, we will not be healed. There is a healing reserved that God gives in the context of confession and healthy vulnerability in the context of kingdom community. 
that there is something very sacred that transfers, that transpires in koinonia. It is the spiritual exchange of God's people in covenant community, kingdom community, where there is healthy vulnerability, the confession to one another, our faults and trespasses and slip ups, and the healing that ensues and happens as a result. Here it is, the effect of fervent prayer. Somebody say prayer. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Look at this. In the context of prayer here, it's talking about community. I know we like to extract the last part of that verse and talk about powerful prayer in the secret place. Yes, that is true. But in the context of this verse, it's talking about when there's vulnerability among us between people in the kingdom of God. It is prayer. And it is vulnerability that produces healing. Some people aren't healed because you got nobody to talk to. I'm telling you that God has provided in community a, a mystery, if you will, that there is healing in confession among us where, there, where there's prayer and confession and vulnerability, the result in the kingdom is healing. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. My wife loves the Amplified Translation. That translation says the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. This is what the word avails much means in the Greek makes tremendous power available, refers to the Lord strengthening us with a combative, confrontive force to achieve all that he has given us to do. Somebody say there's power in prayer. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that those joining in today, those hearing the word today, I pray that they would operate in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power this week. I pray, Lord, that you would open doors for them to lay hands on the sick. I pray you would open doors for them to pray for others. I pray you would open doors for them to not only talk about you, God, but to demonstrate your power, to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. I pray today for open doors, divine opportunities and divine appointments to demonstrate the power of God that is in us, to demonstrate it and to live it out so other people can know who you are, that their faith would not be in our rhetoric, that their faith would not be in our persuasive speech, but their faith would be, it would rest and stand in the, the power of God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, amen. God bless you, church. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.